Well, I'm, I want to share with you today something that I felt a sense of compelling, uh, compelling sense to talk about today. And it has to do with this little phrase uh, that I'm sure you've heard, the Lord told me. How many of you have ever heard of that phrase? The Lord told me. The Lord told me. And uh, so what I want to talk to you about is how do we know whether or not the Lord told us or not? How do we judge a word whether or not it's from God? How do, we, how do we get a handle on that kind of thing? So how do I judge a prophetic word? Let me tell you a couple stories, and uh, you may have heard something like this. I know some of the folks that are here would have for sure. Um, uh, okay, here's one. I once heard uh, a minister say that the Lord told him to divorce his wife uh, because the Lord had led him to another woman who would be a much better support for the ministry he had. When his leaders challenged this thinking, he attacked them and separated himself from their influence because he knew he had heard from God. Uh, here's another one. In another uh, situation I read about, a man who lost his job and felt that the Lord told him his family should fast until the Lord provided miraculously for them. Though they waited patiently, the supply never came. The police finally intervened when after six weeks without food, their 14-year-old son died of starvation. This is, that's a true story. Okay, here's another one. A young pastor didn't feel comfortable with the way his church was developing. He felt that the church could be much more effective if they had a more contemporary format. Dump the hymns, go with more contemporary music, maybe pull in some drama, video, preaching, and, and open up more to spiritual gifts in the service. He prayed about this, and he felt God told him to start another church in the same town. He persuaded his current adult youth leaders to join him as the leaders in the new church. When he announced the idea to his pastor and elders, they were totally against the idea, feeling it would bring division to the church. The youth pastor ignored their feelings because he felt he must obey God rather than man. He started the new church by drawing many people from the old church. There were many hurt feelings. The senior pastor had a heart attack soon after. The old church went into decline. The new church thrived, and the youth pastor felt justified that he had heard God because of his success. Okay, here's another one. A young man was praying about buying a newer car. One night, he has a very vivid dream that he felt must be from the Lord. In the dream, he knew what car to buy because it had a red seven on it. When he went out to the used car lot, he saw a red car that he really liked. While examining the car, he opened the ashtray and found seven cents. The car dealer told him the car cost $17,000. He was only prepared to pay $10,000, but felt the Lord told him he must, this must be the car. Now he has stopped giving at his church because his car payment is so high. Okay, you've never heard of this one. A young woman came up to a young man in the church and said, I've been praying and feel like the Lord told me that you and I will someday be married. I thought it would be good if we started to get to know each other. The young man was confused because he felt neither a sense of attraction 
or direction from the Lord that this woman was to be his wife. What should he do? She had told him, told, she said to him that God told her and he didn't want to go against God. Okay, so we hear all these different stories and you, you have to ask the question at some point, especially if you feel some call to leadership, whether it doesn't matter whether it's business leadership or ministry leadership or whatever it else, but you, you have to ask this question, is it wrong for us to judge when someone tells us the Lord told me? The Lord told me, right? Here's, here's a great passage that really helps us. This is right in your notes. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 uh, through 22. He says, Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. Okay, so we we see this idea, examine everything carefully, and do not despise prophetic utterance. These are two different ideas that have to begin, that they have to work together, right? Many people who have been, have been injured, right? Maybe they, somebody said, the Lord told me to them, or they observed a situation where someone said, the Lord told me, and as they watched the situation, it was obvious things got messed up and, and, and just, just went the wrong way, and, and it was obvious it wasn't the Lord, and they got wounded through that experience. And as a result of that wounding, they have actually come to a place where they despise prophecy. They don't want to be open to a prophetic word. They don't want to be open to hearing God speak. They don't want to be open to that kind of thing because they felt it was a dangerous situation that they observed, and they don't want to be a part of that. They don't want to be there. So they've, they've fallen to this side of despised prophecy. But the Bible says, do not despise prophetic utterance. Do not quench the spirit, but examine everything carefully. And so I want to I want to give you basically just some thoughts about how do we examine a word carefully, a prophetic word. How do we examine it carefully, okay? So what kind of prophecy do we have to be very careful to examine? Cuz you don't necessarily have to be all worked up about every time somebody says the Lord told me, but there are some situations we need to be alert to. Like one, one of them is public, pro, and your, this is in your notes, so, so we need to be very careful to examine as the blank there. And then number one is public prophecy. So what is public prophecy? Pro, public prophecy is, you know, somebody stood up in the congregation, they give a prophetic word to the, to the whole assembly. The Bible is very clear to us that in that kind of case, the prophecy needs to be judged. It actually says, let two or more, you know, examine it and see if it's right. Okay, so when something is public, we need to be careful. Another thing that we need to be alert to is what I call high-risk prophecy. Many years ago, when I first became the pastor of the church, we actually were meeting here in this building on campus before the other place was built. I first became the pastor. We had a special speaker in, and, uh, and the guy is preaching away, and uh, at, at some point he, he says something like, you know, uh, we need to ring the bell for freedom. We need to, you know, blah, 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 you know, saying this thing. Well, when he said, we need to ring the bell, my little... My little thing inside of me started, started going off, okay? 
And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, I need to go ring the bell out on campus, right? I was the pastor of the church now. So there used to be a little usher's closet back there. And, and so I went back, opened the other closet. There was a hammer in the closet. I run out right while the service is going on. I run out of the building, run out to the front lawn, climb up on the bell out there on the front lawn, and start wailing on the bell with this hammer, right? Now, you may be listening to me and thinking to yourself, was that the Lord? You know, was that really God? I don't know if it was the Lord or not, to be honest with you right now, right? But who cares? Right? Did I cause a problem for anybody? You know, I rang the bell a few times. You know, I got inspired. Uh, you know, maybe a few other people got annoyed. You know, but it really, it really did not rock the world in any kind of a way, right? That's not a high-risk prophecy, right? I thought I heard the Lord. I went and did it. It didn't hurt anybody. And that was the way I kind of looked at it. Maybe it's the Lord. Maybe it's not the Lord. But, but uh, it's not going to hurt anybody if I do this, right? But, what, but there's a difference between that and a high-risk prophecy. What's a high-risk prophecy? A high-risk prophecy would be something that actually has the potential for real damage to occur, real hurt to occur. You know, uh, if, if, if I had seized on the idea, I'm supposed to leave Elam, right? Here at the very beginning of my being the pastor of the church, I'm supposed to leave Elam, right? That's a high-risk prophecy. And when you have a high-risk prophecy, it needs to be judged. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Okay, number three. We're talking about what kinds of prophecies do we need to examine? Prophecy that seeks to direct others, right? Somebody's, you know, the Lord told me you're going to do this. The Lord told me you're going to do that. The Lord told me you need to take this job. The Lord told me you need to marry so-and-so. The Lord told me you need to. When something, when, when, when the prophetic word is seeking to direct other people, in a certain way, a certain, not like, you know, you hear a prophetic thing sometimes and it gives you like principle, gives you ideas that the person applies and says, I need to act on this thing. But there's a difference between that when, then when a prophetic word is directing somebody, you must do this, you have to do that in this kind of way. So, uh, so you know, marriage, jobs, spending money, somebody starts prophesying to you about how you should spend your money or this kind of thing. Uh, that to me now is more of a prophecy that needs to be examined. Okay, another thing. Prophecy that appears to contradict or add to Scripture. Okay? Prophecy that appears to contradict or add to Scripture. I remember one time a, uh, a guy I knew, he was a good guy, he was a pastor. There was a lady in his church who started getting visitations from an angel. So, She's getting these visitations from the angel, and then she's talking to him, and a few other people are kind of gathering at her house, and, and, she, and she's telling them what the angel is saying to her. So she, says, she, she explains certain Bible passage to them as the angel explained it to her. She explains certain current events that were going on as she understood the angel was explaining to her. Um, and it, it took a little while. It first started out just kind of like a, you know, kind of an openness. Somebody's experiencing something, just kind of being open to what the Lord is having. But it took a little while. But after a little while, all at once, something began to happen where this woman speaking for the angel started to have an authority as high as the Bible itself. 
People were beginning to build their lives around what the angel said instead of what the word of God says. Are you with me? In this kind of way? And so this, again, is, you know, do I, do, am I saying to you angels can't speak to people? We know clearly from the Bible that angels can speak to people. It's very, very, very clear. So I'm not saying angels um, uh, cannot speak to people, though we don't have examples where it's an ongoing kind of, you know, sitting down every Tuesday night with the angel kind of thing. It's not that kind of, kind, kind of deal. But, but, but angels can speak to people, and so I'm not just shutting it off 100%. But I would have to examine it carefully if I started to believe that people were responding to what was being said with the same sense of authority that they would respond to the Bibles, the Bible. Okay, and then number five, very important, what kind of prophecy do we need to examine carefully? Prophecy that I'm afraid to share with my leaders, okay? If... If I receive a prophetic word, and for some reason I feel like I can't talk to anybody in leadership about this, this is something that is just between me and God, I would very strongly at that point say, hey, this, this, that doesn't make sense to me. The Bible is very clear about our need for accountability and our need for talking with others and this kind of stuff. Sometimes I've had this happen as a pastor. Someone would go up to somebody in the church put their arm around him and say to him, I felt like the Lord told me to tell you something, but if I tell you, you can't tell anybody else. Right? I felt like the Lord told me, to, you know, you can't talk to the leader. They won't understand what I'm going to say to you right now. So, you know, you just have to be able to receive this from, you know, from the Lord, but not talk to your leaders about it or interact or anything like that. When that happens, run, okay? That's, that is not a good situation. It's not a good, uh, a good circumstance. Okay, so in your notes. What questions do I need to ask to properly examine a prophetic word from God? Okay, first, first of all, is it scriptural? All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, the man, that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. And I believe I have this written out right in your notes. The word of God is the standard by which all prophecy must be judged. God can never guide us to do something contrary to what he has already clearly said in his word. This is very, very important because a lot of times our tendency can be to look at outward things and to look to these outward things as somehow an endorsement that the thing is true. That is, um, uh, we, we think that in your notes it says it this way, success is no measure that a person has heard from God. Because you, you heard something and you did something and something good seemed to happen, that's not necessarily a sign that it's from the Lord. We can see this clearly from Deuteronomy. The Lord speaks, he says this, he says, if a prophet or a dreamer's dream arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us uh, go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. So, so he's saying, here's what happens. The person comes, uh, they say, you know, the Lord is telling me this, and they pray for somebody, the person gets healed, and then they say, now listen to me, you know, you don't need to follow just this one Lord. There are other Lords you can follow. We can, you know, he says, because there's been a miracle, because there's been some wonder, because there's been something successful that's happened, that does not mean that the thing is from God, right? You have to discern the situation. 
uh, verse 3 says, You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams who's asked you to do something contrary, to worship other idols. He says, you can't, For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Okay, so let's drop back to where I started. So we can, right away, all those five situations I gave to you, we can see there were definite biblical problems with them. For example, the first guy says, God told me to divorce my wife so I can get somebody to, uh, uh, somebody who's going to be more supportive for my ministry that, uh, that I've met. You know, this is the right thing to do. What would I say to that immediately? Huh? Anybody have a, any, any got a scripture leap to your mind about divorce? Yeah, Dom. God, what divorce? God hates divorce, okay? So am I saying that there's never a situation where divorce, well, you know, if, if there's physical abuse involved or somebody's, you know, threatened in some kind of way or something like that. But what I'm saying to you is the normal warp and woof of life, we just don't go around trading spouses so we can improve our ministry performance, okay? That is, that is not the way it works, all right? Okay, here's another one. The, uh, how about this one? The guy who's waiting for the miracle supply, he, his job uh, fails, and he, and he says he, he's not going to go look for another job because God's told him a miracle is going to happen. You know, in 1 Timothy 5.8, it says this, you must provide for your own household, right? So if somebody comes to me and they lose their job, I say, well, you've got a word from the Lord. Go get a job. You go find it. Now, if you can't find a job, then expect manna from heaven. Expect ravens to come with meat. Expect something powerful to happen in that kind of situation. But the normal thing the Bible says, if you uh, lose your job and you've got responsibility for your family and for uh, your extended family, and this, he says you need to take care of your own household, 1 Timothy 5.8. How about this one? The youth pastor who wanted to start a new church. Right? Sounds like a great idea. But you know what the Bible says? Mark those who cause division. I, you know, the guy probably was totally right about the situation that he was in. But the problem is the way he approached it, the way he went about it, what he did was just, uh, it just wasn't right. Romans 16, 17. Mark those who cause division. How about this one? The red seven car. Okay, how about this simple idea? Honor the Lord with the tithe, Malachi, right? If you buy that $17,000 car, are you going to still be able to maintain your commitment to the, the house of God? Oh, well, no, I won't be able to do that. But the Lord is leading me, you know, to get this car. You know, yeah, but I don't think he's going to lead you to do something contrary to what his Bible has already said, which you're supposed to honor him with the first fruits of all your increase. If you lose that ability to do that, this is not a wise thing to do. Or how about the young woman who, uh, who wants you to marry her, right? The Bible tells us this, that the peace of God should be our guide and our guard in any situation. If I don't have peace, somebody comes to me and says I'm supposed to marry them, and I'm like going, hallelujah, you know, this is awesome. This is just what I wanted. Well, that's one thing, right? But if somebody comes and says something like that to me, and I don't have, I don't have a witness, you know? I don't have a, uh, I don't think so, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't see this happening, right? See, 
That, that is a, when that happens, I know right away. I don't care. They could be the most famous prophet in the whole world. If they come and prophesy over me and I don't have a witness inside it, the best I can do is take that prophecy, put it on a shelf, and, and say, okay, the Lord is going to have to do some other confirmation or do something else to make this clear to me because I don't get it from, what you're, you know, from what's being said right now. Okay, so we're looking now at, at questions to ask. Okay, no, second one. Here's one. Does it build up? stir up and comfort you. So we're, we're judging these words. How do you judge them? Does it build up, stir up, and comfort you? Okay, 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, build up, exhortation, stir up, and consolation. Now, sometimes you've had the experience of somebody speaking to you and you didn't get built up, stirred up, and comforted. You felt doom, death, and destruction come over you, Right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had condemnation come to you in the name of the Lord? Somebody says, start saying some things to you, and it's like, whoa, you know. You, you always should hear the voice of God in what's said. That doesn't mean that it doesn't make you uncomfortable. God, if God has asked me, I mean, he has spoken to me some very uncomfortable truths about myself and things that needed to be dealt with and stuff like that inside of me. It doesn't mean that it doesn't make you uncomfortable. But you should always have that sense that the Lord is leading you to something good. For I have plans for you, says, says the Lord, plans for good. If somebody gives you a word and all it is is down, you don't see any light on the other end of it. You don't see the forgiveness of God. You don't see a new beginning. You don't see a fresh start. You don't see, then I would be very hesitant to take that. Because why? The Bible tells me that it should build me up, it should stir me up, and it should comfort me. Uh, here's another one for you. Another question to ask. Is the vessel or the person who's ministering to me or speaking or says the Lord, is the vessel, the person, pure? Are they pure? Now, I don't mean by this that, uh, that, the, that a person who speaks prophetically has to be perfect. If we had to wait for that, we wouldn't have prophetic words at all right? As a matter of fact, the New Testament prophetic thing, that's what's so wonderful about the spirit of, of cooperation and judgment, is the New Testament prophetic experience is a team experience. One person speaks, and then the others pass judgment. It's not just, one, it's not just the old craggy prophet, you know, coming up and going, you're bad! You know, you're gonna die! You know, that's not the New Testament picture at all, right? That's not the, the, it's a team thing. One person speaks, the others give their contribution, and then we hear from that the word of the Lord. Even Jesus himself tells us that there are people who prophesy that are messed up. Look, look what he says in Matthew 7 in your notes. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And he goes on, and, he, and he, he just basically makes this, verse 22, he says, Many will say to me that they, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And he says, In your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And he says, I will declare, I never knew you. Right? It's not, there's no, because a person has prophesied, because a person has cast out demons, because a person has done miracles, that's no sign, definitive sign, that they're hearing from God. What do you look for, he says. In this passage, he tells us, he says, you need to look at the manifestation of their inner life. 
He says, what is the fruit that you see on the vine? Right? Now, I've had all kinds of imperfect people prophesy over me, and, and I want every word that they share. My heart is wide open. That's not, what I'm, that's not what I'm trying to say here. But if somebody gives me a high-risk word, you can bet I'm looking at their life and seeing, does this person demonstrate the character? Do they demonstrate the qualities? Do they demonstrate the things that I would look at to say, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a man of God, right? Not just somebody who talks something, but somebody who actually has it. Thank God he still uses donkeys, but uh, if it's a high-risk thing, I am going to say, do, do I, what do I see here in this situation? So, okay, in your notes, what attitude do I observe in a true prophet? And the primary attitude I observe is humility. And we see this in the willingness to be corrected or adjusted, okay? The willingness to be corrected or adjusted. What are you commonly corrected for? A lot of times we think that the only thing a person is corrected for prophetically, if they're manifesting in the church or this kind of thing, is, if they, is the words they actually say. Do they say something unbiblical? But there are other things that you can be adjusted for, and those who have been pastors know what I'm talking about. For example, the spirit of the prophecy might need to get a little tweaked. All right? I'm telling you! You know, and you're like, okay, you know, I get the idea, but there's a way to say that that could help us here right now, right? Because you're shrieking at us, and that is going to just not do, it's not happening, see? So the spirit of the prophecy, is it disruptive? You know, the pastor's in the middle of preaching, all when somebody jumps up and starts prophesying over their preaching, right? God's not doing two things at once, right? He's like, you know, if he's speaking through the pastor, he's not speaking through the prophet. There's not, it's not that kind of a experience. So is it disruptive? That could be something that, and, and also is there, is, there, um, is there a flow or a quantity issue? Some of us have been in experiences where every time we get in a room together, the same person has got a prophet, you know, another, 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 another thing. It's like, you know, I've had some people I had to sit down and I'd say, look, I've been at this my whole life. And God only talks to me like once in a while. You, every time we come together, I said, we got to give room for other people too, right? To, you know, to, so, so you can get adjusted by thing, in, in those kind of ways, things too. Another thing we see about a, a godly prophet is we, they see themselves as part of a team. That's the blank there. Seeking the will of God. They don't see themselves as the, as the craggy prophet trying to correct everybody. They're part of a team. Okay, another thing we see is the confession that we see through a glass dimly. I don't want somebody prophesying over me that says they see perfectly because I'm going, well, you, if you see things perfectly, you are, you are way beyond me, my friend, and way beyond what I understand the Bible says, right? The Bible says we see through a glass dimly, right? So I'm looking for that humility where the person can, acknowledges, I don't necessarily have everything 100% perfectly clear. D, the willingness to acknowledge that sometimes the message is influenced by the messenger, let me just tell you right now, be very careful as a preacher or as a prophet. If you're angry, don't preach on that subject, right? If you're ticked off about something, don't get up and start prophesying about what you're ticked off about, right? Because, okay, okay, so, 
and, and, then, and, and then here, a desire to strengthen the vision of the house, right? The prophet doesn't come in to control the vision of the house, but to strengthen the vision of the house. And uh, it says, what attitude do I observe in the false or the immature prophet? Okay, I see an unwillingness to be corrected. They see every effort at correction as a personal attack or a lack of confidence in their ministry. When it's not that, when we're in the body of Christ, we fine-tune each other. We're trying to help each other get this thing across. Uh, The unwillingness to adjust. See every effort at adjustment as an effort to force ungodly compromise. Looks at church leaders and says, I must obey God rather than man. Uh, C, the conviction that you see more clearly than any of the leaders around them. They see themselves as the lone prophet correcting the leadership rather than as part of a team seeking God's will. And then last of all, a desire to control the house. Okay, number four, fourth question, how does it bear witness with my spirit? I already talked to you about that idea a little bit and a couple of scriptures there to go along with that. And then the the next one, what do my spiritual advisors and leaders say? God's leadership is for your, this is probably the most important thing. If I could get everybody to, if if you could sign off on anything, you know, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watching over your souls as those who will give them, give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief for this would be unprofitable for you. God has put wise counselors in your life. If you feel like, if you look at me and you go, I'm not sure there are any wise counselors in my life, then I'm telling you, you need to establish some relationships, some voices that can speak into your life. If the only person that can correct you is you, we got a problem, right? When you get married, you're going to find out your spouse is going to want to correct you, okay? And if the only person that can correct, can correct you is you, you got a problem. You, because why? Because we all have blind spots. And so we need to have other people in our life who can speak to us and help us to see the truth about the situation that we're in. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. That's the problem for all of us in this room. We are right in our own eyes. And that's why you need somebody outside of you that you have confidence in, that you trust in, that can speak into you and speak into your situation. It's 12 o'clock. And I want to end just with a prayer right now for two, two groups of people that are here. If you're here and you have gotten so that you despise prophecy, that is, you've been, maybe you've seen some things that weren't so good, maybe you experienced some things that weren't so good, and so you have gotten so you, you've kind of turned off that side of the spiritual aspect of life, and just there's been a lack of openness to the prophetic. I want to pray for you. And the second people I would like to pray for, a group of people I'd like to pray for, is if you're here and you know you have a call to the prophetic. There's, a, there's something in your life that you know you're supposed to speak that prophetic word kind of situation, but you want to make sure you don't flake out. You want to make sure that you are a, a godly leader functioning in those ways. 
then I want to just take a moment to pray for you too. If you're in either one of those two groups, would you just stand to your feet right now where you are? And we're just going to take a moment. I'm just going to pray for you right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, first of all, if you're here and you have been offended by the prophetic in some way so that it has caused you to despise prophecy. Lord, I just ask right now for a fresh openness. Prophecy is viable. It's necessary. It's helpful when we apply it in the biblical ways. And Lord, I just ask you that you will remove the residue out of their lives right now of that woundedness, of that hurt, so that they can again be open to the prophetic utterance and that you will speak to them and that you will speak through them, Lord. And they will be able to apply the right principles to act on the things that you speak. And Lord, right now, okay, listen, if you're here and you feel a call to the prophetic right now, just lift both your hands in the air. Lord, right now, as these hands are lifted, we lift our hands and surrender. We don't want to be those people of proud pride. We don't want to be those people who, who um, want, to, uh, want to try and control through the prophetic. We want that spirit of humility to be upon us so that God can use us as a vessel. We want to be humble. We want to acknowledge that we don't know everything perfectly. That sometimes maybe we're acting like I did when I went out and rang the bell. It's not going to hurt anybody. I'm going to give it a try. And, and that's okay. That's part of growing. But when we're in relationship with others, we can talk about it and we can grow in this thing until it becomes sharper and sharper and sharper. I thank you for each one now in Jesus' mighty name. Let's applaud the Lord, okay? He's worthy. We applaud you, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy.